Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, we're talking about a really important subject today. It's all about mental health and mindfulness, things that we've been talking about for a while, especially with students. But today, we want to talk about this subject uh, when it comes to adults, particularly teachers. How are they taking care of their mental health? Well, Andrew, you know this podcast is all about leading the next generation well, but I just believe it starts with leading ourselves well. Absolutely. That's probably cliche for a reason. Uh, yeah. You just can't pass on what you don't have. So our friend Will Parker, who's been in education for years and years and years, has created a tool that's really going to help teachers refresh themselves. Um, I, you know, Andrew, I just spoke to a, a school administrator, Nancy Ward. Yes. Uh, and she was just telling me, Tim, our faculty in our county are, are at the end of the ropes. They're, they're signing up to get help, you know, for things she offers at greater numbers. Wow. And I think it's just because, you know, at first this quarantine and this COVID-19 thing was kind of weird and novel, and now it's just gotten frustrating, exhausting, and annoying. Mm. So Will's going to help us today, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Nancy did say, though, some of the phrases she's heard from teachers have raised her eyebrows. Uh, teachers are saying things like, this is not what I signed up for, Wow, and it isn't. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they didn't go to school thinking, I'm ready for to teach during a pandemic, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, one uh, teacher said what we were all feeling. I love my students, but I have never met them. Yeah, that, isn't that a crazy phenomenon yeah. that's going on this year? Yeah, and then third, I've run out of creative ideas to keep them engaged, and I'm just exhausted. So mm. uh, we're hoping that Will has something for us. I, I believe he does. Before I start talking to Will, though, Andrew, share about this new book and, and um, what the summary is. Yeah, well, Will has been a speaker. He's been an author. He's been an educator. Um, and we really love getting a hold of his books. And he's been a friend of Growing Leaders for a really long time. But his newest book that just came out is called Pause, Breathe, Flourish, Living Your Best Life as an Educator. Uh, one of the things that he notes is when you fly on an airplane, you guys have all heard this before, if the cabin loses pressure, you are supposed to put the oxygen max- mask on yourself before you put it on others. But the reality is when you think about actually doing that in real life, educators especially are prone to helping others before they help themselves. And the result is exactly what you've just talked about, Tim, anxiety and burnout. So it's in this new book that uh, Will Will Parker unpacks the root issues surrounding uh, our motivations for serving students and school communities. Uh, Will also shares 10 essential principles, it's very practical, uh, for that all educators need for personal and professional growth. So this book is going to offer exploration, discussion, and consultation on goal setting, self-improvement, as well as strategies and how to invest in self-care and find ways to live your best life as an educator and as an individual, a human being. And that's really what we all need in this very difficult season. So I'm excited for this conversation. I am too. Thanks, Andrew. Well, Will, thank you for joining us today. Oh, my goodness. Tim Elmore and Andrew McPeak, two of my favorite people <laughs> on the planet, or at least in Atlanta. Yes. And so yeah. it's yeah, so we, great we to hear your voices. It's so great to connect with both of you again. And I, let me just jump right into something that you said earlier. Teacher exhaustion right now and education exhaustion right now. And what I've been describing this as most frequently is I talk to educators, just like you guys do here in my own state and across the U.S. and, and globally, is decision fatigue. Yeah. People are just exhausted from the constant pivoting between 
Are we in person? Are we remote? Are we doing both? Do we, what protocols do we follow? Now, how do we respond if our state government or the health organizations provide new guidance? And so, you know, in Tim, several years ago, I was sitting in a conference with you and Andrew when you had Britt Andretti as a guest speaker at one of your events. And Britt's book, Wired to Resist, has been a go-to for me for years. And I just recently went back and looked at that content because she talks about in that book how anytime you introduce change, there's a physiological reality that your brain resists every time it's asked to change. And until you form new habits, until you form new routines, then you, you feel the anxiety of that resistance. And what I'm discovering with educators this year, more than any other in all of the years, and I've been doing this for decades like you have, Tim, is this year more than any other, people are constantly having to change and change is hard. And so if you're listening to this conversation right now and you're just like, I'm exhausted, I don't, I don't even want to listen to a conversation about self-care or about decision fatigue because I'm just too tired to even think about it, you're normal because everyone's feeling that way this year. And it's okay to admit that it's exhausting. And it's also important to remember that eventually, just like when you're climbing a mountain, eventually you hit that plateau before you climb again. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's cyclical and it's seasonal and it's, and it's normal to feel overwhelmed. So I, I didn't plan to talk about Brit's content, Tim, but you, all of those comments were just reminding me so much of some of the conversations that I've been having with educators too. Yeah. Well, Will, we're grateful that you put this book out, and I want to jump right in. Let me start with kind of a macro question. Uh, why mm-hmm. do educators need to reflect on their own self-care? Why would this be an important thing? Well, let me start with a story, Tim. You know my story, but let me just make sure that your listeners understand some context. I was a high school English teacher for 11 years and a high school administrator for 14 years, and I can still remember uh, how stressed and difficult it was in the classroom, but also in the administrative positions too. And it was about my second year into my admin work when I had gone from classroom teacher to high school assistant principal, where I was dedicating so much of my time to leading and providing services to my school community. I was a young father at the time. Uh, We have four children and they were all small. I would get up super early in the morning so that I could read emails and set goals for the day. I would arrive at school before anyone else. I would have all of my passes ready for the day to see kids and I would be supervising and being in classrooms and being in the lunchroom and I would stay after for school events. And then by the time I came home, I would um, have just barely enough time to read stories to the kids and help them go to bed. And then I would set up after bedtimes and I would work late into the night. And this was my habit. I was not exercising anymore. I was not sleeping well. I was paying no attention to my nutrition. I wasn't doing anything that brought me joy. I was just simply trying to be the best educator I could be because I wanted to serve my school community so desperately. And one night, I'd come home for that routine and just helped put the kids to bed. And I sat down and opened my laptop. And my wife, her name is Missy, sat down beside me. And she said, well, can we can we have a conversation? I said, oh, sure. So I, I stopped. And she she said something to me that I'll never forget. And She said, well, the kids and I have accepted that you are a husband and a dad on the weekends only, and the rest of the time the school owns you. And and she didn't say it with bitterness or resentment, just like simple resignation and honesty. 
And then she said something I'll never forget too. She said, well, you have become a shell of the man that you used to be. Mm-hmm. And so that night, um, when we finished that conversation, when I opened my laptop back up to work, this time I actually, I wrote a letter of resignation. And I, I wrote in there the concerns that I had about how I was allowing my commitment to my school to rob me of my commitment to my family and my own self-care. And I took that letter with me. The next day, I put it in a folder. I placed it on the corner of my desk, and I told myself I'm either going to find new ways to do this work with perspective, or at the end of the school year, this is the letter I'm handing in, and I'm going to go find something else to do besides be an educator. And Tim and Andrew, I wish I could tell you that that was like the silver bullet. It, It wasn't. What happened was I began to adapt new to reintroduce practices that I had had years before, but also to adapt new practices and habits for self-care that I had been trying to cultivate ever since. And so this book is really was birthed out of that experience. So for for the next several years, as I figured out how to better serve my family, and I'll I'll just end cap that with one other story, Tim, and that was um, seven years from that, from that moment with my wife, uh, seven years later, I was in a hotel in Washington, D.C. with her and my children um, coming up an elevator. I was wearing a tux and my wife was wearing a gown and the kids were all dressed up because I was receiving an award as Oklahoma's assistant principal of the year. And I remember what, being in that elevator and thinking back to that night, that conversation with my wife and thinking, if I hadn't changed some of the practices mm. From that moment on, I, I certainly wouldn't be receiving this award, but I also wouldn't be doing it with my family. Yeah. And so I, that's the best way I can start this conversation is just with my own personal story of why it's so important that we invest in more than just our schools if we're going to serve our schools. Yeah, it's a vivid illustration of why we need to do this. You know what's interesting to me, Will, you've shared that story with me before, and I've always been stopped in my tracks when I hear you tell it, but... It's sad to say, I think most of us have our own version of that story, <laughs> young or old, you know, whatever. So um, I want to drill deeper now in, into the, some of the solutions you've come up with. So um, let me ask you, why is it important specifically for leaders to invest in their own mindset? You talk about mindset in this book. Uh, would you speak to that? Mm-hmm. I sure will. And, and before I jump into that, let me just let listeners know, um, you know, the, the, the 10 areas that, that this book really unpacks are pretty uh, or to be expected. I, I talk about how you should invest in your in your own body, your mind, your influence, your time, your friendships, your, your spirituality, your resources, your intimacy, mm-hmm. um, your future, and your legacy. And um, and so so the, the mindset is just one of those is one of those areas. And Tim, the reason I love to talk about mindset is because I think so often we miss out on the power of of our own thinking. And, and so let me, you know, I'm a storyteller. So let me tell you another quick okay. story. Several years ago, my mother-in-law um, was diagnosed with, with early onset Alzheimer's and she began to decline pretty quickly. Um, and what we discovered was as she was beginning to have a harder and harder time remembering, there was something though that didn't change. And that was her um, ability to sing songs she had always known. So we have a habit uh, and this was before COVID. We haven't been able to to visit her um, at her memory care center in person because of COVID, which is so sad. So we can FaceTime with her. But before COVID, every Sunday I would drive down there with my family, and 
we would sit with her and visit and she has a keyboard in her room and I could play those. I could just get on the keyboard and begin to play her favorite songs. And she would always remember every line, every verse, um, because somehow that memory had been ingrained in her thinking. My daughter also has a playlist that she loves to listen to when we go, when we go on drives down to visit grandma. And so, um, and she told me one time, I, I have a dad playlist, she said, because she knows what kind of style of music that I like. And so I, I like to start with, with those images in mind because because what we place into the playlists of our mind are often going to be are, are going to embed the attitudes that we have when we think about our lives and the people that we serve and what i've discovered in in, in especially in the education world is we we spend so much of our days managing um, reaching goals putting out fires managing crisis making sure that everybody's taking care of them and that we're safe but sometimes we just forget to pause and be mindful, be in the moment, uh, and have a mindset of, of taking advantage of every moment. And so I, I especially like to say this to education leaders, if there's any education leaders listening, don't rob yourself of the joy of the work that you do every day, even when you're doing all that crazy management. Because in the middle of every single day, you have the opportunity to be in the moment and see the faces of kids, whether that's virtually or in person, to watch the discovery and the curiosity that's happening in their learning, to see the beautiful inspirational ways the teachers are interacting with kids. And yes, you still have things that you're correcting and managing and doing because it's your work, but the joy of your work are those children, those people that you're getting to help become better at their craft yeah. or providing services to in their learning. And so I just think it's so important, Tim, for us to, to stop sometimes and just reflect Take, be in the moment. When I do teacher observations, for instance, one of the first things that I try to do instead of pulling out my instrument and my checklist is I just try to look into the faces of every kid in the class and the surroundings and, and watch the teacher and try to place myself into the seat of that kid. And so mindset is just, I think it's such an important practice because sometimes it actually takes practice for us to place ourselves in the moment where we are so that we can find the most value in that moment. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. So let's get real practical, Will. What suggestions would you have for principals or other educational leaders who just feel overwhelmed with time management right now? You mentioned the mm -hmm. decision fatigue. Well, talk about yeah. that. Yeah, let's talk about time management because I know that the probably the number one question that I get from educators is, yeah, I know that I need to practice self-care, but how in the world can I do that in the midst of all the busyness that I have? And, um, and so there's several practical things that you can do. Um, but let me, let me just make some quick suggestions. Okay. Um, and in the, in, in the chapter that I have on time, I, I begin by talking about a book, um, um, by um, Robert Miller called 20,000 Days. And in that book, he unpacks the idea that he was 55 years old realizing he had lived 20,000 days. And so he was basically counting how many days did he have left to live if he was able to make it to 75 or 80 years old. And, and when I heard that story, it struck me as like, wow, I, I don't know if I'm often thinking about every one of my days, numbering them, you know, is, is important. But if you if you look at that perspective, then you realize that you know, we, you and I, each of you in this conversation, we all have the same amount of minutes and hours every day. The question is how do we actually use them and prioritize them to get the most 
um, effect out of them. And so there are several things that I, I like to suggest to leaders and to educators. One is, uh, is to eliminate time-wasting activities. And by that, I mean, first of all, social media. And I'm not a, an opponent of social media or a critic of it. I, I use social media too. But I have discovered that if you can ignore it, and place it into a time of your day when it's scheduled, then you won't get sucked into rabbit holes and things that distract you away from, from, from priorities. Number two, I suggest that people chunk or prioritize the things that matter most. Now, this is especially hard for education leaders because you may have a long list of things you're going to do and they all get taken off the plate because you've got some crisis that happens that morning. But what I've discovered is if you place things that are priority on your calendar, as first priorities, even if you get distracted, then they're still there to come back to. And so I think it's super important to, to chunk and place into your calendar those things that are most important. Also something I try to tell educators, and this is maybe would be especially important for younger educators who are still trying to struggle with the routines and, and the processes, is to schedule as far in advance as you can. Now, I know this year has been more difficult with all the pivoting, but typically you should be able to schedule six months to 12 months in advance if you already know what you're teaching or the, what your school calendars typically look like. Because the more things that you can schedule out in advance, the more anxiety you relieve from yourself and from those around you because you're you're pushing those things out in advance. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say on time management too is this, take time for those things that nourish you and care for you when you can, do the best you can, because they actually give you more energy for those harder things. Yeah. So taking time to prioritize exercise and nutrition, eating with friends, um, listening to wonderful music, all that stuff sounds like the bonus stuff, but it's not. If, if you can prioritize those things, for me, as an educator, I had to prioritize my, my exercise early in the mornings because that was really the only block of time I could find when I was never being pulled into a crisis or having to manage yeah. a meeting. And so before my kids got up, before I left for the day, I made that my priority time for exercise. And that was off my plate. It was the first thing I did every day. And it gave me so much more energy and inspiration for the rest of the day. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, when you think about educators that you interface with all the time or maybe on the road, what would be some best practices that you would say, boy, she does that well or he does that well, that maybe our listeners could benefit from? Yeah, well, when I think about best practices for educators that I see, it, it all comes back to me to um, a, another picture I like to, 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 another illustration that I like okay. to use. And actually, Tim, I, I think I borrowed this illustration from you once because you had such a, a great visual of this at, at, at a meeting I was in with you. But once I was in a meeting with you once where you showed a Mercedes-Benz advertisement showing a picture of the brain. Mm -hmm. and, and the brain divided into two parts. Yep. The left part of your brain, as you know, is the analytical, meth meth uh, the method part. It's the math part of your brain. And the right part of your brain is the artistic flair, colorful part. And in in the, in the image that you showed in that picture was a brain where on the left side it looked like charts and numbers. And on the right side it had, you know, rainbows and explosions and all kinds of cool things. And I, I love that image because it reminds me that when you're managing time and when you're looking at best, best practices, if you focus on the processes, the left side, the processes... Um, you're, you're organizing things in advance, you're anticipating the needs of other people. When you have those processes and routines in place, 
it actually gives you the freedom to do all the creative things, mm. the, the, the more, the fun stuff, the passionate parts. Yeah. And so I look at whether it's a, a class with 10 kids or an auditorium with 500, it's the same dynamic. Creating those processes in advance, asking your, putting yourself in the place of the kid and asking yourself every question that kid's going to ask when he or she steps into that setting. And every kid asks the same questions. Where am I supposed to sit? What am I supposed to be doing here? What are the expectations that are going to be um, had for me? How will I be held accountable? And is the person who's instructing me going to treat me like a human being? Mm -hmm. And who is that person as a human themselves? Those are the basic questions that every kid asks in every setting, small or large. And they're the same questions adults ask in every setting too. So I think the best educators I've seen that practice these habits, they look at everything as a process to answer those questions as far in advance as they can for the people that they're instructing. And once they've answered those questions, then they have the freedom to lead them into learning. And so, and you can, you can replicate that from the classroom to the schoolhouse, the entire school setting, or even to an entire district for those of you who are listening, who are education leaders, or for those of you that lead other organizations, it, it works for those organizations too, churches, nonprofits, mm-hmm. every organization manages the, both the process and the passion at the same time. I love it. Um, so as we think about kind of landing the plane on this very, very important topic, and listeners, I just want you to grab this book. It's just going to be a practical guide for you, especially in seasons like this. Will, I'd like you to talk about the idea of leaving a legacy for leaders. We all, well, I don't, I don't know if we all think about this, but I think about it a lot, but you've got some good insights. Talk about that for a minute. Sure. You know, I was remembering, Tim, a few years ago when Senator John McCain passed away, Mm. how the nation all paused to remember just the amazing legacy that he left at that time. And and I remember reading an article from a, a newspaper person who had asked Senator McCain before he died, how do you want to be remembered? And he said something to the effect of, I hope that I'm remembered having served my country with honor. And I thought that's, man, you know, I hope I'm that noble when I'm his, you know, because I, most of us won't be remembered like John McCain. Yeah. But there's going to be somebody who remembers us. And they're usually the people who are going to remember us because we've done something to help them. There was a, there was a, um, uh, a researcher who went through, I believe it was the New York times went through all of the obituaries that had been written for several years and did a word search. What's the most common word that people use for someone who's passed away to show that they respected them? And so they ran, you know, how people love statistics. They ran all these words through word banks, and then they found the one that stood out the most. And you know what that word that stood out the most was? The word help. Because when we help others, then it makes us, it, that leaves a legacy. Mm. And and there's something I like to tell educators, because I don't know if this happens to you guys, but I know it happens to me. Um, Sometimes I lose perspective on my role. And so I'm going to say this, and then it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but this is the best way for me to wrap up this conversation on on legacy and on your work as an educator. Um, I tell educators, you need to remember two things at the same time. One, you are not as important as you think. And two, 
you are more important than you think. Mm-hmm. Now, let me unpack what sounds like a contradiction. No, it's so powerful. <laughs> Both are true. The, the, the first one is you are more important than you. You are not as important as you think means that someday your school is going to exist without you. Which means that even though what you're doing right now is so important, someday your memory and, and influence in that place will fade, and that school will need to exist without you being there. So keep stay humble. Yeah. You, you play an important part, but that school will someday exist without your presence, and that's okay because that's that's healthy and that's what needs to happen. On the flip side of that, your presence is more important than you realize because every moment that you have with people especially the small ones, that minute when someone's trying to get your attention and you can look them in the eyes or be distracted by your phone, that moment when a child needs to be talked to with compassion because they've already been scarred and traumatized before they stepped into school that day, that moment when a staff person or a colleague is hurting and they just need you to patiently work with them through whatever you guys are working through, those moments are powerful because they leave just as much of a legacy as whatever content or curriculum that you're trying to instruct people into so i those are my thoughts on legacy tim and and of course you know listeners if you're interested in in unpacking all of those stories i i I did i received a lot of inspiration from this book from my relationship with growing leaders and, and the habitudes that you guys use the images that you guys use have always been so inspiring for me and i tried to uh design this book so that every chapter has like I've just been unpacking here, the images and stories that can help bring home uh, those important lessons. That's awesome, Will. Well, you've done a great job. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today with these practical tips. I think everybody listening has been encouraged, so I appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you guys so much for that conversation. I actually, I do have one last question for you, Will. Um, Where is a good place to get your book? Where should our listeners go to pick it up? Uh, well, you can find it lots of places. Obviously, you can visit my website at williamdparker.com, and I have all my books and resources there. Or you can go to Amazon and find it there, too, or connected2ds.org is the publisher that put this book out. In fact, if you guys go to connected2ds.org and go to the resources tab there, there is a brand new free downloadable study guide that goes with this book too that just got placed up last week so the perfect timing for your podcast awesome. but if you would like to um if you'd like to download a free study guide i, I piloted this um study guide all these questions with a group of leaders last semester as we worked through a study of, of the book and uh, it's it's just a great way to reflect on your own practice but to do it with others Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, as a reminder, the book is called Pause, Breathe, and Flourish, Living Your Best Life as an Educator. Uh, Please go check that out. Pick that up today. If you're looking for a resource on how to connect with and handle uh, stressed out students, we also have an ebook on that uh, topic. If you go to growingleaders.com slash free, you can pick up that ebook stressed out. That is available as well. Well, just as a quick reminder, if you would rate this podcast, get the word out about what we're doing by giving it five stars, that would we would be uh, ever so grateful for that. Uh, as And as always, if you found this helpful, please share it with somebody in your network who you think may be able to uh, get something from it. Connect with us online. Uh, we're at Tim Elmore and at Growing Leaders pretty much everywhere you are. And then lastly, if you've got ideas for this podcast, people you want us to interview, conversation topics you want us to have, please shoot us an email. It's podcast 
at growingleaders.com. We love uh, getting those from you guys. Well, Tim, Will, thank you so much for leading us in this conversation. You guys go out and take care of yourselves this week, and we'll see you next time. Woo!